and welcome to episode 18 of Owen the Saints. I'm your host, Patrick Serlis. With me once again is my co-host, Jack. Jack, you there? I'm here, Pat. I'm good. How are you? Very good. Thank you. We are speaking after another three points for Saints, beating Bournemouth 2-0 at the Vitality Stadium this afternoon. We will be chatting about that game very shortly. Uh, Then after that, we will be speaking to the guys at Fulhamish Pod, uh, a Fulham podcast, to get the lowdown on Harrison Reed, who apparently is pulling up trees um, at Craven Cottage, uh, playing really, really well, winning man of the match most weeks. And with Pierre-Emil Hoiberg, all but certain to leave St Mary's this summer, uh, there's been kind of some speculation that Harrison Reed could be in the frame to step back into the Saints' first team next season. So we wanted to speak to the lads at Fulhamish to find out a little bit more about how Reed has getting has been getting on this season, uh, where he fits into their team, where, where are his strengths, where are his weaknesses, because it's been quite a while since he's been uh, in competitive action for Southampton. So sounds like he's started to fulfil his potential. So that's coming up around 20 minutes in, we'll be talking to those guys. But first, Jack, great result against Bournemouth this afternoon. Another three points, moving us on to 49 points with one game to go. What was your take on the performance I thought it was a it was a brilliant performance, great result. I mean, I think we should have been out of sight. It shouldn't have been that nervy. Shouldn't be one 0 in the ninety fifth minute, and they shouldn't have had that chance to equalise and you know take a point. But um, you know they put us under a lot of pressure at the start. I think they're a very direct team, Bournemouth, and I don't think Vestergaard and Stevens. Obviously, we got a clean sheet, but it wasn't convincing at the back. I think Wilson. It happens a lot with Stevens when he comes up against more physical strikers, his weaknesses kind of show a little bit. I mean, he's still a brilliant player and he's had a great season, but his weaknesses show. Vestergaard, he was doing absolutely everything he could to give them a goal. Um, I mean, I could talk all day about him and I hope hopeless to, hopeless to sign him, but um, I just think he's so clumsy and six foot six, doesn't win any headers. It's just, I just don't understand it. And when he does win a header, he goes straight to an opposition player. Um, on a more positive note, Kyle Walker-Peters, I thought, was brilliant and he was my man of the match today. I think going forward, he's the one that nicked the ball in the build-up for Ings' goal, played it wide, started that attack. I think he made an incredible defensive clearance when the ball came in on about half an hour from the right-hand side. One of those ones which could have easily been an own goal if it comes off your shin or something. Got it away from danger and I think he was brilliant all day long. Um, but yeah, I think there was some, there was some very positive decent performances scattered around the pitch. Yeah, I mean, that Walker-Peters char- uh, clearance you're talking about came actually from Vestergaard getting caught out high up the pitch. With him, um, he's capable of brilliant and awful in the space of a couple of seconds. Um, mm. And we saw that in the second half where just some really lazy defending um, gave a chance to, I can't remember exactly which Bournemouth striker it was, but then he recovered with an unbelievable block. So there is a good defender in there. I just don't think Southampton are ever going to find it. <laughs> um, and and he'll probably go on to Leicester or wherever it is um, and actually uh, put in some good displays and, and, and show what a good player he is. But at Southampton, for whatever reason, it's just not working, I don't think. Um, and again, another mixed, mixed performance. Um, but a clean sheet. Again, I think you're right. Kyle Walker-Peters was excellent on the uh, on the right flank. 
he allows Armstrong to come inside. And it was one of Armstrong's quieter games. Um, but that attacking threat from the right-back position it is great to have. And I was a little bit cautious um, earlier on. Uh, well, since since the restart, the kind of calls for us to sign Walker-Peters have been growing louder and louder. And I've mm. been kind of tempering my expectations a little bit just because I've been feeling like whoever was going to come into that right-back position, the performances from Valerie uh, prior to lockdown was so poor that it was going to be a big upgrade no matter who we put in at right back. Um, but now I think that's about six games, five or six games where Walker Peters has been one of our best players um, and it, he can't he can't do any more in terms of convincing Ralph to, to, to sign him uh, permanently. So I think it's just going to come down to how much Tottenham want for him, whether there can be a potential swap deal uh, with Hoiberg, uh, I'd mm. imagine Hoiberg would much rather move to Spurs over Everton, um, especially as he's been talking about winning the Champions League and the Premier League, where well, Everton are actually below us in the table now. Mm. <laughs> so um, it'll be interesting to see what happens uh, in in the summer with with him. But um, yeah, I think it was it was an, it was a relatively open game for the first twenty minutes. They had a few chances. We had a couple of chances. I think James Ward Prowse header. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a chance for Callum Wilson and then it's that man again Danny Ings breaking the deadlock with a with a kind of classic what's become a trademark Ings finish hasn't it from the coming in from the left um, inside left position and then just curling it with his right foot into the opposite bottom corner yeah I mean especially since the restart it seems like every every single one of his goals has come from that inside left position and just putting it away from the keeper it is getting like you said a trademark goal and um, yeah I was absolutely buzzing when he put that bottom corner every game I'm watching Southampton I'm thinking is he going to score is he going to score and he just seems to keep keep mm-hmm. on delivering the penalty I mean Ralph said in his post-match um, interview that he didn't have a good feeling about Ings stepping up for that penalty and to be honest with you neither did I there's something he also mentioned Ralph about there's a statistic only 55% of penalties awarded by VAR have been scored this season. And if you compare that to 85% of penalties awarded by the referee, obviously shows that there might be something to be said with that big delay that you've got when you're waiting for the decision to be made and maybe you make a decision with regards to your penalty that you wouldn't do normally. I think Danny Ings has got such he's a great striker of the football. He should have just backed himself to put it away from Ramsdale into the corner. He tried to be clever. He was watching him instead of watching a ball and, you know, the keeper got the better of him. And I think, yeah, he knows that was a big mistake. And that, that was at a point in the game where I just thought, I'd love just to put that put that breathing space between us because I knew they were going to have a chance. That's obvious, isn't it? When you go away against a team that are fighting, fighting for their lives, they're obviously going to get a chance. And I thought that would have just been a brilliant opportunity to kill the game then. Didn't happen. Yeah. But, um, yeah, 21 goals this season. Get him on the plane well not the plane get into the Euros that is uh, 12 away from home now for uh, Danny Ings matching Letizia's club record 10th um, time that he's opened the scoring in a league game this season and surprisingly I-, I was surprised by this stat anyway his fourth Premier League goal from outside the box this season no mm. nobody's got more um, so he's, you kind of think of Ings as kind of a penalty box finisher well four of his 21 goals have come from outside the box, which um, is a credit to him and to his finishing ability. The Watford goal, obviously, was from outside the box. And and today's one was a, a yard outside, but still bent it bottom corner. Um, Vardy uh, 
didn't score today. I think Leicester lost three nil to um, to Spurs. So Ings missing that penalty, and it was an awful penalty. Um, could I, I hope not? We've got Sheffield United at home to come, but I think with with a two goal gap to Vardy, if he'd scored that penalty, it would have been one, and he would have had an excellent chance going into the final day. Um, but I think it's a little bit too much for him now. What do you reckon? Yeah, I mean, we've got Sheffield United next, as you said. I think him missing that penalty today is his chance for the golden boot gone. I'd love to be proved wrong. However, playing Sheffield United, they've got that brilliant defensive unit with the three centre-halves. Obviously, Henderson in goal. I'd be very, very surprised if Ings bangs in a hat-trick. However, I would love to see it. (laughs) And what's up with our penalty record as well? That's one scored from four opportunities this season. Um, Obviously, James Mm -hmm. Ward-Prowse missed one the other day against Everton. He also missed against Arsenal, albeit he he kind of scored the rebound. Um, And then Ings missing today. Uh, The only one we've scored is Ward-Prowse against Bournemouth in the reverse fixture earlier this season in that um, shocking defeat. Um, But yeah, one from four is not good enough, is it? We need to sort that out. When When I saw that stat, one in four... Couldn't really believe it. You've got to be, you've got to be taking your chances from the spot, and that's costing us points throughout the season. So we need to sort that out. I think it's, it's, it was a surprising one because I do actually quite like Walt Prowse on penalties. Mm. Um, obviously, he's a great striker of the ball, and his free kicks around dead balls are unbelievable. However, don't know what it is. Not sure what it is, but yeah, def- desperately needs to be sorted. I think his one against Everton wasn't a bad penalty. Um, no, he caught it well. Uh, just kind of inch too high basically it was in a place where no keeper in the world and um, it was an inch lower no keeper in the world saving that he went top corner and he's got the technique to be able to pull that off um mm. when you're gonna when you're trying to go with that much precision sometimes um you're gonna get it slightly wrong and i think he did there so i think we'll prowse i back him on penalties obviously they went with things because he's chasing the golden boot fortunately that hasn't cost us uh three points today it nearly did because we had the var intervention in stoppage time um I have no strong opinions on Bournemouth, really. Um, there's TV pundits like to call it a South Coast derby. It's, in my opinion, it's not. There's not enough no. history between the two clubs. Um, but then again, I, I'm not one to kind of badmouth Bournemouth. I have nothing against them. I have no strong opinion either way. I think it is heartbreaking the way that that game ended for them. Um, because that they tucked it away, obviously. Poor defending from our point of view. Um, and that's another long throw. The, bright, the defending uh, from the Brighton game for Mopé's goal was, as you said, Sunday league. Um, and then again, the defending was pretty poor for the long throw uh, that Surridge eventually kind of slipped under McCarthy, um, who I would say had a very good game. He made some good saves from Harry Wilson, um, keeping the score at 1-0 earlier on. Um, again, as we've talked about before in the podcast, excellent shot stopper. And I thought he was quite commanding. Um, Bournemouth had a lot of corners um, and we dealt with them quite well. Unfortunately, this long throw we didn't do deal with well. Um, and VAR bailed us out, I think, didn't it really? It did. Just before we get onto that word on McCarthy, because I think he does deserve a shout out. I think you just said it then and that sums it up. Commanding was his performance today. There were corners coming in, like you said, throwings coming in and he was off his line he was punching them away and he was claiming them and that's what you want in a goalkeeper you want someone to be commanding the box and especially when they're playing those two strikers and you've got a fairly new partnership in Stevens and Vestergaard you want a commanding keeper that's going to take ownership of the box so I think he was brilliant today that long throw yes it wasn't brilliant defending they did win the flick on it's it's 
football at the end of the day and you've got 11 versus 11 and if you're facing balls coming into the box you are inevitably going to lose some of them so I wouldn't be too critical on the defence just because you know it's inevitable that they're going to win a couple flick-ons here and there however yeah it was poor to, to let the the bounce come straight back to Surridge and him to, to slot it um, but as you said I mean heartbreaking genuinely heartbreaking <laughs> They Aaron Ramsdale was doing laps of the pitch did you <laughs> he was, see? I did see he was yeah. doing laps of the pitch thinking that he's just saved a penalty and they've just nicked a point at the end and that's them potentially staying up and then he's leaning up against the goalpost thinking that you know it's absolute yeah. game over but um, it's yeah, almost game over for them almost it is I mean they've got they're very reliant on Watford I mean We've got their fourth manager of the season coming in now. It's absolute <laughs> shambles at Vicarage Road. But they're reliant on Watford to lose against City and Arsenal, which is, you know, very, yeah. very conceivable. However, they've got to go to Everton and pick up three points. Um, yeah. To compound things for, for Bournemouth, uh, we went up the other end and scored. Che Adams, from our point of view, fantastic to see him score again his second of the season. Um, hopefully sets him up nicely for next season. I'd love to see the partnership with him and Ings at Blossom. He scored in the 98th minute, so 97 minutes and 56 seconds, which is the latest Premier League goal since November 2011 when Yakubu scored uh, against Wigan for Blackburn uh, in the 99th Ooh, nice minute. Stat. Nice little stat there. Um, just pipping uh, Michael Obafemi as well. That's two very, very late goals for Saints. Mm, um, making a bit, Yeah, I know. It usually goes the other way, doesn't it? So nice habit to get into, uh, scoring uh, crucial mm. late goals. Definitely. And I mean... We've spoken about Shea Adams a lot on the podcast. For me, why I'm so encouraged by Shea Adams is that I mean, I'm not I'm not gonna put down Shane Long at all, but Shane Long could well he did. He played for sixty minutes and sometimes I see him on the in the starting lineup and I think, is he even gonna get a chance? You know, I don't even back Shane Shane Long to get a chance and when he does you know, he's got some brilliant size to his game, but goal scoring is he's not really one of them. Shea Adams comes on and can score two or three in a lot of games. Yep. He's getting in those positions and he's, he's even making today, chances. Even today, he could have had a couple. Yeah, and I mean, obviously, he's not he's not had the, the best season in front of goal, but I'd be much, much more concerned if he's coming on and literally having no chances at all. But he's, he's having an impact straight away. And I think we saw in the Brighton game with that brilliant flick on to, to Redmond, who played Ings in for the goal. He also probably, well, definitely should have scored. Shea Adams got very unlucky in that game. And today, brilliant work from Ryan Bertrand on the left-hand side. Played it to Oberfemi. Who I was thinking, I didn't really know what Oberfemi was going to do, whether he was going to turn back and, I don't know, try and keep the ball. But obviously saw Shea Adams and it was brilliant. That bit of composure just to shift it onto his right foot. And yeah, we saw a glimpse of the £15 million player that we've, that we've signed. And it's, it's exciting and encouraging to see. It is, uh, when we were speaking uh, prior to the Premier League returning, uh, I don't think we could have written a better script really. Um, 16 points from eight games since returning and a couple of, goals for, couple of goals for Che Adams. I mean, that's exactly what we wanted, isn't it? It is. It is. Absolutely brilliant. I'd love to see it. But um, yeah. I think it, we shouldn't have got to that point. Redmond should have buried it 2-0. He, he should have done. Um, yeah, don't want to dwell on the negatives too much, but that was one because we've spoken before, Redmond should be a 10-goal-a-season player. Uh, he gets enough opportunities. He's just not quite clinical enough. Um, and that was a huge, huge chance. And that would have been the moment if, well, that and the penalty miss, um, if if they'd nicked it, um, because that was, in, I think, in the 83rd or 84th minute, and that would have just killed the game. It was. Yeah, and it was great work from Shevens to play him in. I think he just, 
it was just so obvious what he was going to do. You could see when he got the ball, it's like he's shaping his body to, to find that far corner and the keeper absolutely read it to perfection. And you just need to have a bit better decision-making in that situation, maybe take it around the keeper or try something clever because it was just way too obvious. I think it needs to be remembered that Nathan Redmond has played every single minute since the restart. And without Moussa Gineppo and without Sofiane Buffal, it is so important that we've got that pace on the wing. Yeah. So whilst everyone's aware that he's not a complete player, if he, if he scored 10 goals, like you said, I'm sure there'd be bigger clubs sniffing around him. But um, yeah. I think he's, his other side of his game, the link-up with Ryan Bertrand, the link-up with Danny Ings, Nathan Raymond's got three assists in his last three games, so he's con- contributing. He might not be getting on the score sheet, but he's still contributing. So I think, yeah, it's, it's good to see him playing well. Fair point, fair point. That's nine away wins this season now, 31 points away from home. Only Liverpool have picked up more points on the road this season. Um, Everyone knows how bad our home record has been, but just on the flip side, our away record has been sensational. Up to 11, three points clear of Everton, although, as you mentioned, they do have that game in hand. Um, every position counts in the Premier League this season with um, with the prize money on, on offer and, and the way that COVID has impacted club finances. If we can finish 11th, that is some achievement considering where we were sitting just prior to Christmas. It is. I mean, we're on 49 points now. If we break 50 points, it genuinely is an unbelievable achievement. And like you said, that away record is ridiculous. I think if we if we continue playing like that away from home and sort out our home form, We'll be going on a European tour the season after next. We've got more away wins than Arsenal and Spurs combined this season. Like you said, third in that table. We just seem to be a, I don't know, just a different beast away from home. There's such a complete team and it just seems to suit us so well. Yeah, we're unbeaten in six uh, matches now. One, three, drawn three. That's our longest unbeaten run since 2016. Um, which is also when uh, we we picked up 63 points in the league. Um we're on 49 now. We've got Sheffield United at home. It'd be fantastic to get uh, 52 points. That would be an unbelievable return mm. um, and, and really set us up nicely uh, ahead of next season. Um, before we bring the guys from Fulhamish Pod on to talk about Harrison Reid, I just wanted to get, to get your thoughts um, on, on Reid as a player uh, and where you stand on potentially bringing him back, assuming that Hoiberg is sold and we've got this hole in midfield that Will Prowse and Romeo have done fantastic, but you kind of feel like we need at least some strength in depth um, partnering Will Prowse uh, in that midfield. Romeo has excellent qualities and he's proved that since coming into the team for Hoiberg. But mm. you'd think we'd go into the transfer market at the very least, or we've got this option of, of Reed on loan at the moment, who, who by all accounts is doing fantastic in the championship for Fulham. He is, yeah. Um, Harrison Reed is always... He's always been a particular interest in mine just because he's from he's from Worthing and a few lads that I used to play football with went to school with him and grew up with him. So when he burst into the Southampton first team, I was always you know interested to see how he got on and speaking to the lads that I knew about him. I don't think, he, you know, he hasn't had a massive chances at Southampton. He's been in and out of the team under different managers. He's gone alone to the championship, like you said, at Fulham, at Blackburn and at Norwich. And it looks like all of those the fans of those clubs have all been very keen to sign him after, so he's made a great impression. And obviously, I haven't watched a massive amount of him at Fulham this season, but just following it on social media and seeing the guys, for example, at the Fulhamish pod, 
they rave about him week in, week out, don't they? He seems to be picking up man of the matches left, right and centre, so he must be doing something right. Having said that, my personal opinion, I'd be happy to prove wrong, um, is that he is not a Hoiberg replacement. I think, you know, we need someone to play alongside Ward-Prowse. I think a Reed-Ward-Prowse partnership's a bit too lightweight in there. I think other Premier League teams would, be, would dominate that those midfield two sizes and everything in the Premier League. However, I think the physical, physicality aspect is very, very important. So, you know, I don't think we'll bring him back to be a squad player because I don't think that's fair. And I think he really, he's 25 now and he needs to be playing football. So if I had to make a prediction, I would say that he'd move on permanently. I, I agree with you in the sense that he won't want to come back as a squad player. Um, and it's a big ask for Ralph then to trust him to step into the midfield with Ward Prowse. Um, it will be really interesting to see, to see what the guys at Fulhamish Pod say in terms of what he's been doing really, really well uh, at Fulham. Carl Anker in The Athletic um, put together an article on Reed. Uh, it was really interesting, actually. And it and it does it is going to seem like we've just copied his idea. <laughs> but we, <laughs> we had plans to speak to the Fulhamish Pod guys anyway about Reed. Um, ever since kind of the, the Hoiberg pick stuff picked up momentum um, and we were thinking about who we could potentially sign. Um, kind of Harrison Reed. I saw a tweet from Fulham saying, um, that he'd won man of the match again and, and I think he's won man of the match three times from from six of their most recent games so he's in, he's in great form they're going for automatic promotion they've got a very slim chance of that but they are guaranteed playoffs um, so he's performing week in week out at, at the top of the championship and playing very very well there is a big gap between that and the Premier League um, but there's no reason why he, he couldn't he, he's not a Premier League player I think he's he's earned the opportunity this season by all accounts Let's bring in George and Fred from uh, Fulhamish Pod and get their take on how he's been getting on. I think they'll be very, very keen to sign him permanently. It'll be interesting to hear how much they think he's worth. Um, so yeah, let's welcome George and Fred to the podcast. Delighted to welcome to the podcast George and Fred from Fulhamish. Guys, how are you doing? Yeah, very good, mate. We've um, we've just uh, come off the back of uh, doing a, a hot mic commentary for Fulham Sheffield Wednesday, and it was a, a five-three thriller. What so game, we're, um, we're 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 pretty uh, we're pretty buzzed, and it's uh, thanks very much for having us on. Yeah, no, it's great. That's a huge result for you guys, isn't it? With Brentford losing earlier in the day. Yeah, it kind of it was a game that seems to have taken on unexpected significance because by all accounts we were sort of you know nailed in for the playoff spots and this game was a bit of a kind of you know wanting to gather momentum and then with both West Brom and Brentford losing, bees just losing just before we kick off this game and all of a sudden it's the possibilities are kind of opened up a bit. I still think it'd be a bit of a stretch because we're relying heavily on West Brom to both lose losses. both like both, both to lose, lose the remaining but... games, but. You know, the stranger things have happened in football, as they say, so, so, so who knows? Well, the reason why we wanted to get you uh, on uh, today was to chat about Harrison Reid. Um, and he got sent off today, didn't he? So that's yeah, yeah. <laughs> he got brought... Just before we were going to um, do the Zoom, he just got a second book in and he's off. <laughs> yeah, it was um, it was weird because we'd missed that he he received the booking. It must have been a very subtle kind of, you know, and we're, we're watching the game via the Fulham's own TV uh, service. So sometimes the, the highlights and stuff is not quite up to sky quality. So we, we just happened to miss that he picked up a yellow and then, uh, late on, it was a it was a very cynical challenge and it, it was professional foul. Sheffield Wednesday on a break late on, and he just essentially rugby tackled, spear tackled <laughs> their uh, their player to the ground. So Stonewall yellow card. But as the ref was booking him, he sort of like a a bad magician fumbled his cards, and you couldn't tell whether it was a straight red or a yellow. But um, yeah, yeah, it just 
two one for the team. But you argue if you're on, already on a yellow, you can't really be doing that. But I guess it's one of those things where instincts kick in, and he just wanted to break up the. Uh, it was it was nothing malicious. It wasn't as if he went out to hurt him. It was just a very very professional foul. But yeah, mm. second yellow. So he's going to miss the Wigan game, unfortunately. But at least uh, with, with two yellows, he'll be back in contention for the playoffs, which is uh, where we really need him. So it's it's not the end of the world to be honest. But uh, unfortunate shall we say yeah. <laughs> well it's um it sounds like he's been doing fantastically well for you guys um and just to kind of set the scene for um well for saints fans will know that he came through uh, under pochettino to start with then got his got his um kind of full debut under coman and then he's kind of disappeared off the radar a little bit for southampton he's on his third loan spell now um had been at Blackburn, Norwich, and now this season joined you guys on loan. And I think there's, we'll come on to it, but I think there's a clause in the contract about making it permanent potentially. Um, but the reason why he kind of came onto my radar was because I'd just seen he was picking up man in the match every week for you. Um, it mm. seems like anyway. Um, and for Southampton's point of view, it's 99% certain that Pierre-Emil Hoiberg will be off this summer which means that we'll have a gap in our midfield uh, alongside James Ward-Prowse. Um, Oriol Romeo has been filling in there and been doing a brilliant job. But um, if we sell Hoiberg, and it looks likely that he'll probably be off to Everton um, or Spurs, um, we'll need to, to strengthen. And, and I think most people had expected us to go into the transfer market and sign somebody. But the way that Harrison Reed has been playing has got Southampton fans thinking maybe he could come back in and do a job for us in the Premier League. Um, so yeah, I wanted to speak to someone from Fulham's point of view, uh, and you guys will thank you very much for joining us and and doing that. But how has he been playing? Is, has it been a kind of revelation as as it seems? Well, in in short, yeah, he's been exceptional. <laughs> and we we talk on the pod, and what obviously one of the first things you talk about as a match reaction is who was our standout player and. I remember Jack Collins, who we do it with, said, "Well, it sort of goes uh, goes without saying now. It's it's Harrison Reed, and it's gonna it's gonna be that for the uh, for what looks like the majority of the season. He's just he boundless energy. He he provides something that we needed desperately, which is just that that midfielder who can just sit in front of the defence, mop up loose balls, give that sort of uh, support for the for the back four, and he's he's just been fantastic, flawless." Um, flawless performances and um and yeah it, we we seem to have a bit of a history full of well in recent years we obviously we had Matt Target and he was a revelationary buyer yeah, so good so and good. we were we tried everything we could to, to sign him and we fear that it's going to be a similar situation uh with with uh with uh with Reed uh, you know but he, uh, the job that he's done for us can't be understated he's been he's been a fantastic and he, he's he's won the fan base over um, you know, tenfold, not just with his performances, but his attitude, and he just mm. seems like a really, really, really class act. Um, would you agree, Fred? Yeah, well, his first name on the team sheet now nowadays. He's absolutely exceptional. Uh, soon, soon as the project restart happened, he had a blinding game against Brentford, and that was a loss for us. So it wasn't a positive result. And then the Leeds game, which was probably our worst result, he was by far the best player on the pitch, probably with the Leeds players included. He's just absolutely exceptional his energy like George said he yeah. runs around he, he wins the ball back all the time and he's literally first name on the team sheet nowadays and I would love nothing more to get him in a, on a permanent deal because I just think he's <laughs> so even in the Premier League I generally think he would be that he'd be good as well the, the reason the first time I, I kind of I thought about potentially reaching out to you guys and speaking to you was was after I think the Cardiff game um, mm. where he won man of the match um, and Fulham put out a tweet saying 
water is wet, the Pope is, the Pope is Catholic and Harrison Reed wins man of the match. Um, <laughs> it was quite, quite a good tweet from the club. Um, and then uh, underneath that was just a million replies from Fulham fans saying, please sign Get him up. permanent, yeah. yeah, Tony, yeah. Tony Khan, like, tagging Tony Khan, please um, do the right thing, sign him up. Um, from Fulham's point of view, you, I, I guess at the start of the season, I don't know the Fulham squad too well, but central midfield seems like a pretty strong area for you. You've got Harry Arter, which, who's played in the Premier League. You've got Stefan Johansson, um, Josh uh, Anoma. From Anoma, first, yeah. yeah. So it's quite a, quite a competitive um, midfield for, for Reed to come into. And I think he had a, a bit of injury trouble um, around Christmas, didn't he, with his mm-hmm. calf. But um, I think it speaks volumes that he's managed to make such an impact in, in such a competitive area of the pitch for you. Is that fair to say? It is as you as you brightly point out one of uh, one of our strongest areas we've we've got we've got good depth there but I think the the reason why Harrison Reed's become such a stonewall of our uh, lineup especially when he's fit is because he's the best at what he does in terms of just in front of the defence we've got I mean you could argue Harry Arter is more of a kind of traditional centre mid and can sort of yeah books but then Josh Onoma I think he excels as a number 10 same as John um, Tom Kearney whereas Harrison Reed the only other player that I'd say you could directly compare him to is um, Kevin McDonald Uh, however he I mean he's a fantastic servant for the club and a, a great squad player and a leader However, he just does not have the the beans, shall we say, yeah, that Harrison Reed has. I think Harrison Reed's made that position his, him, his, his own, own. Yeah, just in front of the defence. And you see Fulham quite often. Um, if your listeners want to want to check it out, will tweet his heat map, mm-hmm. and you can see just the, the amount of ground that he covers. It's Normally, with a uh, player that position, you have like quite an isolate. You know, they they don't tend to like stray too much. But Harrison Reed just pops up everywhere, and you know, everywhere on the pitch. But he's still you can. You can rely on him in, in his defensive positioning, and you know, and and um, yeah, he's he's excels in what what is as you as you as you say a, a very uh, strong area for us. But yeah, mm. the reason it, it's because he's the best at, at that uh, sort of defensive midfield, just in front of the back four. Well, that that description of of him that you've just given, I think, is is what I think Saints fans. I remember when he broke into the team, and that's kind of what his potential was like he worked he was working incredibly hard he covered a lot of ground very tenacious midfielder um for whatever reason I think we we were signing midfielders at that point uh we had Schneiderlin, Wanyama we sold those and then we brought in the likes of Hoiberg and and Lamina hasn't worked out but we were just we kept on signing people um in the same position as him and and I guess that for for that reason is is why he went on loan um Mm. but what you've just described it, it sounds like the sort of player from a Southampton perspective that would fit perfectly into Hassan Hootel's system, and I know that's not what you want to hear, but um, <laughs> but from a from a central midfield, um, we've got James Ward Prowse in there, and one of his best attributes is just that he covers so much ground. Um, mm-hmm. Games and in, in the Man United game as well, he's covering kind of thirteen kilometres a game. Which yeah, is, that was a good game that Man U game. Hmm. Yeah, which is huge, um, and the idea of Harrison Reed in there as well is quite good. And I know Hassan Hootel said. Um, last week that Harry is definitely a player um, that's normally perfect for his philosophy. Um, obviously, you're desperate to sign him. <laughs> how how likely do you think that is? I mean, do you think it ultimately hinges on you guys going up? Uh, I think, obviously, that will have a, a, a huge say on it. And it goes without saying, if we do go up, we'll have a hell of a mo- lot more of a chance of... Um, obscuring signature but I think ultimately it just comes down to what the player wants um, we... it seems when he plays though he seems like he generally likes the club and he's obviously 
he's playing for the shirt. He's not just playing for like a summer move. Mm. But so, I mean, he's a, he's obviously a, a consummate professional, and and you, you feel like he'd give his all for whatever side he's in. Uh, yeah, I just I think I'd be very 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 surprised if Fulham didn't attempt to sign him on a permanent. Um, and I think yeah, it just comes down to what, what Harrison wants. You know, whether he's happy here and you can tell that he's valued from the response from the fan base and you know he's a, a dead cert to, to be starting if he's fit so mm-hmm. uh so yeah i think i think that's the only thing that it really rests upon is uh is is harrison Reed's decision mm-hmm. uh, but make no bones about it we're, we're we're coming for him and uh and we'll do everything <laughs> that we can to uh yeah. to, to try and get him to stay well, did you mention that there was an option to buy potentially uh, um, I, yeah so I when I was looking back on Fulham's when, when Fulham announced the deal whenever that was I think last oh, about a year ago now yeah um there was uh it just said that there is let me try and bring it up actually because I've got got the tab open but it just said that we have a deal um potentially to make it permanent at the end of the okay um, so, I mean, uh, from from Fulham's perspective, what sort of price tag have you? Have, has there been any numbers kind of mentioned in, in around, kind of the around space? about eight million people saying? I think mm, so. that seems to be the figure that uh, Jack Collins uh, has, has plucked out from thin air. <laughs> so, <laughs> in terms of market value, but I mean, it's so hard to tell now, nowadays. Still, for him, in my opinion. Yeah, we'd we'd happily happily cough that up, considering we paid fifteen for. Anthony Knockart, I think. Is that right? Oh, it's around that. It's all, it's all a bit sort of hush-hush and depends on various different factors. But I think 8 mil would be an absolute steal. And from that seems to be the figure that's been banded around. But, but, who, but who knows, eh? Yeah. I mean, I'm just reading your uh, kind of press release on it now. And it says, yeah, Reed joins Fulham on a season-long loan deal, which could be made permanent at a later date. So I, I it's pretty vague. But there must be some kind of language in the contract mm. about ma- making it permanent. Um, so we kind of touched on it at the start, but you've just won five three. I think you've got one game left of the season. Um, yeah. Playoffs likely, mm-hmm. I the guess. Old, uh, uh, guaranteed, guaranteed now. Well, pretty yeah. much. Guaranteed. Unless, okay. Unless we go up automatically, which is a very slim chance. But, uh, but okay. Yeah. And Reed will be banned for your ne- your final league match, and then mm-hmm. be back for the playoffs. Um, should unless you go up automatically. Um, how how would you how confident are you feeling about going up? Um, I don't know. It's it's a it's, it's a very strange one, and it's it's such a shame because obviously going up by the playoffs, the, the best thing about it is the potential of having that fantastic day at Wembley, which is what it's all about. And it's out with, the window now, with it all with being yeah, with it all being yeah. behind closed doors, it's kind of it's that sort of shine has kind of uh, has been uh, been lost somewhat in terms of our chances. I feel like we've got as good a chance as any. I think we've got a very good chance given the. Um, the, we've got a lot of senior players that are very experienced at um, levels, and we've got still have maintained a lot of squad members that went up with Fulham um, back in 2018. So I think I do fancy our chances throughout the playoffs. However, for, yeah, for me, I'm, I don't know. I just I I wouldn't be broken hearted if we didn't go up. But I think we I think we've got a very good shout. I mean, Brentford have been looking fantastic, and we we for some reason hate playing them and. Can't They're a bit a of a bit of a bogey yeah. side for us, so the thought of losing against Brentford <laughs> in the final of the playoffs just uh, is too yeah. too much of a it's bitter horrible. pill to swallow. So um, it's a bit of a weird one. You you think I, I I'm not as excited as I, I think I probably should be at the moment. Obviously, mm-hmm. you're cheering for your team, you want us to be in the Prem because it's the the pinnacle. But um, yeah, I th- I just feel this whole restart and behind closed doors is just 
take, taking the edge off a bit. But I reckon we, I reckon we, we've got a very good, very good. Start. The only team that I'm worried about it's particularly Brentford. is is Brentford. I fancy our chances against whoever else. You know, Nottingham Forest. It's, um, it's Forest, isn't it? Forest. And yeah, Fifth Forest, and Forest and... West Brom, Cardiff, um, and okay. uh, Bees. Yeah. So right. everyone but any, anyone but Bees. <laughs> but we'll, <laughs> we'll see. As I said, we've got a lot of senior squad members that I feel that I've been let out of the bag for, for, for big games so uh, so fingers crossed I guess mm-hmm. yeah I mean from, from my point of view I've got a bit of a soft spot for Fulham before I moved to America I was living in London um, in Wandsworth uh, and mm. used to go to a few Craven used to love going to Craven Cottage I think the last time well actually I've been, a, been there a few times but I don't know if you remember the last time I went to watch Saints there was in the FA Cup uh, a couple nil. of years ago 1-0 yeah um, <laughs> Pellegrino, wasn't it? Pellegrino at the time. Yeah, it was. I mean, those were bleak times as a Southampton (laughs) fan under Pellegrino. I think it was James Ward Prowse that scored quite an early goal. Um, But love going to Craven Cottage and watching Fulham. Um, And happy that I don't like Leeds particularly as a club. Happy that there's a a big team like Leeds are back in the Premier League. But yeah, they do it, weren't they? I'd love to see Fulham back there as well. So I wish you all the best. Best of luck. Hopefully, automatic. I know that's outside chance oh thank you very much man i do appreciate it thanks for having us on the on your uh, fantastic pods and uh, yeah good luck for the rest of the season yeah. um go on you saints <laughs> great chatting there with george and fred from fulhamish pod thanks very much guys for taking the time to speak to us jack one game left of the season sheffield united at home It'd be nice to sign off with a home win it would it would and i said it last week and i'll say it again I don't want this season to end. <laughs> I think we're, we're, we're playing such good football. I'm loving seeing Southampton on TV. I'm loving watching Ings score goals. But yeah, hopefully we can sign off for three points and have a little celebration. So our final pod of the season will be after the Sheffield United game. We'll recap that and we'll also do a little end of season review. So Jack, until then, uh, have a good one and speak to you next week, everybody. Thanks for listening. Cheers, Pat. Speak to you next week. See ya.